Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm Solomon Moshewitz, and today we're beginning Masachet Eruvin, Tractate Eruvin with Daf Bet, page 2. Hey, so what happened to Daf Aleph, page 1? Back in Yeshiva, we were taught various homiletic reasons that every tractate begins with Daf Bet. Even if we learn the entire Talmud, we can't boast, because we can't even say that we learned the first page. Or, the written Torah is Daf Aleph. Or, my favorite, in order to get oneself to open the Talmud to study it, you have to overcome your Yetzar Hara, evil inclination, to do something easier instead. So when you begin reading, you're already in the middle. The struggle with the Yetzar Hara is Daf Aleph. But the simple reason is that the first printed edition of the Talmud, which became the format and pagination model for almost all subsequent editions, featured the name of the Christian publisher Daniel Bomberg on the first page. Today the first page is known affectionately as the Sha'arblot, the gate page, because it almost always features the name of the Masechet framed by a gate. So, on to Masechet Eruvin. Oy vey, this tractate is hard. But don't take my word for it. The Talmud on Eruvin itself says so twice, on 14a and 76a. There's a text from the Zohar, which I learned about from Rabbi Shalom Rosner, which riffs on a passage from Zechariah. The Mashiach, God's anointed, will appear poor and riding on a donkey. Oni v'rochev al hachamor. The word for poor in Hebrew is oni, spelled ayin, nun, yud. This is taken to be a notarikon, an acronym for eruvin, nida, and yivamot, the three most technically complex and challenging tractates in the Talmud. When we master dafka, specifically those tractates, the Mashiach will come. In other words, not soon. So what is the topic of eruvin? And what makes it so complex? Eruvin is a continuation of Masechet Shabbat. It deals with the laws of Eruvin, or Eruvs, which are legal devices used to allow us to do things on Shabbat and Yom Tov that would be forbidden without them. The word Eruv literally means mixture, and Maimonides proposes that the term was used because an Eruv mixes, as it were, the forbidden with the permissible. What makes Eruvin hard is picturing clearly the structural relationship between different public and private space configurations. Printed editions of the Talmud have lots of diagrams to help clarify the topological relationships being discussed. In fact, yeshiva bakers have books of diagrams specifically published to help understand Eruvin. So, what are some of these Eruv devices? There is Eruv. Tavshilin, 
When Shabbat immediately follows Yom Tov, Eruv Tavshilin lets you cook for Shabbat on Yom Tov. Then there's Eruv Tuchumim, which extends the distance you can travel on Shabbat. There's Eruv Chatzerot, which enables neighbors who share a courtyard to carry things from one house to another on Shabbat. Tech alert! Before tackling the first Mishnah, you need some highly technical background. Suppose you wanted to visit a friend. You walk through Rishut HaRabim, the public domain, until you get to a Mavoy, pronounced Mavui in Yeshivish, an alleyway, and enter. There are several exits from the alleyway, and you pick the one that opens into the courtyard that your friend's house opens onto. You walk across the courtyard and go to his house. None of the exits from the Mavoy, the alley, except the one you entered initially, open back to Rishut HaRabim, the public domain. This kind of alley is situma, closed off, but it's not what we think of as a blind alley, since it does lead to various courtyards, but since it's not a through route, it's as though it's enclosed on three sides. You also have to know that carrying in the public domain on Shabbos is Torahitically forbidden. The first Mishnah deals with carrying within a mavoy situma, a blind alley on Shabbat, which is permitted Torahitically, but forbidden by the rabbis, unless there's a proper separation between the mavoy and the Rashut HaRabim, the public domain into which it opens. One effective way to separate the alleyway from the public domain is to place a kora, a horizontal beam across the opening, symbolically closing it. Besides the Korah, there are two other devices that can legally separate a Mavoy from the public domain, which we'll learn more about later. There is a Lehi, essentially a vertical plank, board, strip, or pole placed against one or the other doorposts, and most effective of all, a Tsurat HaPetach, a door frame configuration, which is essentially two Lehis, one against each doorpost, and a Korah across the top forming three sides of a rectangle open at the bottom, like the printed letter Chet. An opening can be something that separates two domains. You go through the opening, and you go from one space into a different one. Or it can be something that connects two spaces and makes them continuous. When you enter an alleyway, you go through a space interrupting a wall or a gap between two buildings. When is the gap considered a door, a petach, potentially separating the domains, rather than a breach, a pritza in the wall, joining them. If the gap is too large, then the alleyway is continuous with the public domain, and carrying there on Shabbat is forbidden. The Mishnah discusses maximum permissible heights of the placing of the korah, the crossbeam, 20 cubits, and maximum widths for the door, 10 cubits, but doesn't give any reasons behind the limits. Rabbi Yehuda dissents, doesn't impose these maximum limits. The Talmud here first proposes that the limits imposed in the Mishnah are based on descriptions of doors in Scripture, where we know the dimensions of things described as doors. In the course of the debate, there is some awkwardness with discussing, as though they were interchangeable, doors in the temple, the tabernacle, and the Tent of Meeting. 
Fellhausen and other higher criticism scholars thought that the tabernacle never existed, or at least as described in the Torah, and was a back-formation myth to legitimatize the radical move of building a temple in Solomon's time. Whatever the reason, the tent of meeting and the tabernacle don't seem to be clearly and consistently differentiated in Scripture. In the course of this discussion, a scriptural proof text is cited to show that the words for temple and tabernacle could be used interchangeably, but unfortunately, the cited proof text doesn't actually exist in the Torah, as Tosafot notes, but is really a mashup of two different passages. There are several places that the Talmud cites passages that don't exist in the scriptural texts that we have, but for the most part, it doesn't necessarily mean that the sages were looking at a different Torah text from ours, but rather that the rabbis weren't always precise in their citations. And besides, everybody knows what passage they meant. It's like you might say, like it says in the Declaration, all people are equal. Everybody knows the passage and knows that you're paraphrasing. Tosafot asks why the tractate begins with our Mishnah, which deals with a particular issue regarding the structure, maximum height, and not logically with the general treatment of the subject, which is several pages later. Tosvot's answer is that it was done as a kind of literary allusion to the tractate Sukkah, which opens with the discussion of the maximum permissible height for a Sukkah, also 20 cubits. By the way, the same height limit is imposed for displaying a Chanukiah. This precision is very Jewish. A friend of mine once told me that if Halloween were a Jewish holiday, the pumpkin would have to weigh at least 150 grams, the candle inside would have to burn at least one hour, and would have to be seen by at least three passers-by. If you live in a community where there is an Eruv to allow carrying on Shabbat, you might have heard this joke. Chaim and Shmuel are walking home from Shul on Shabbos. Shmuel says, Chaim, I have something to tell you, but you must keep it a secret. Chaim says, okay, Shmuel, I'll keep your confidence. Shmuel goes, Chaim, I'm not Jewish. Chaim says, how can that be? We went to yeshiva together. Shmuel says, look, I wasn't born Jewish, and I didn't convert. Chaim thinks and then says, Shmuel, you know that akum sheshavat chayav mita, a non-Jew is not forbidden. I mean, a non-Jew is forbidden to observe Shabbos. This is on account of the concept, Beni uvein b'nei Yisrael otila olam. Shabbat is a sign between me and the children of Israel. And here you were a goy observing the Shabbos. Shmuel goes, you think I'm an idiot? When I left the house this morning, I had a handkerchief in my pocket. So I was mechalal Shabbos, desecrating Shabbat by carrying. Chaim explodes, fool, there's an Eruv. Ah, says Shmuel waving his hand, I don't hold by that Eruv. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.